Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Robots Radio presents... The Cyberbuck Lorecast. To the cyberpunk lore cast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robots. All right, cyberpunks, welcome back to the cyberpunk lore cast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. And man, this feels like this feels like an old school episode because it's not just me doing an episode by myself this week. I've got Captain Logan back. Captain what? Logan sailed to the port. <laughs> What's up, dude? How you doing? Good. Taking some shore leave to come talk about some cyberpunk stuff for a while. So I'm glad to be back for, for this episode and see how everyone's doing. Hi, yeah, everyone. Hi. Hey, it feels cozy to have you back here. This feels like old times. And yeah, this is the patron episode. So we have our patrons along for the ride as well. We've got Jay Ray. Jay Ray's back. What's up, Jay Ray? Oh, boy. Not much. Uh, still absorbing Spider-Man and getting hyped up for the matrix yeah dude so many good things spider-man the witcher season two the matrix the new matrix movie so much stuff is going on right now and we also have turbo toboggan joining us what's up turbo nothing 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 at all all. (laughs) hey and then we also have lena lena's back hey (laughs) y'all hey man i'm so i'm so glad you guys are here and then of course our, our good friend toasty Toasty. He's just waving. Wave, oh, waving works really good on audio platforms. Audio format. He, he's so been, used to, I'm just so used to weird intros. He is. I used to just being Toasty. Yeah, Toasty and um, I do the, the Witcher Lorecast now. What's and this he, he Witcher knows. show you're talking about? I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It can't be that great, can it? I don't know. <laughs> he should know by now that waving doesn't work on an audio platform, but he still does it anyway. Just to, you know, just to kind of poke at me. Um, yes. Thanks, thanks Toasty. You're so, welcome. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so guys, this is this is our patron episode for December, and you might be wondering, like, why is this so early? It is the 19th right now while we're recording it, this. Well, it's the holiday season. Next week would have been the day after Christmas, and I'm going to be super busy. I know some of you guys will be busy as well. So we decided to do this a week early. So that means a few things. One, next week we're taking the week off. It's it's a rare occurrence, but there will not be a regular cyberpunk episode next week unless I'm able to squeeze one in somewhere. So that might happen. But for the most part, just we'll have the week off Uh, Two, if you do sign up as a tier four patron in the second half of this month and you feel like, oh, I didn't get to join the patron chat because usually we try to make it as late in the month as we possibly can, then you can still send in a recording if you sign up during the month of December with some of your thoughts about the topics that we're talking about this this week. So you can still get your thoughts on this episode if that's something that you sign up for. So don't worry, you won't get be able to join the, the actual chat episode, but you can still get your thoughts on the show. So I'm trying to make this as balanced as I can. Um, but what are we talking about this week? Well, we're continuing our movie series with our patrons and the movie this month is The Matrix. We have a new Matrix movie coming out for the first time in almost 20 years, three days from now, and we can't see into the future. None of us have gotten an early glimpse at the film. We don't know anything more than you do have from having seen the trailers or any of that stuff. And we are here to talk about the original movie and potentially the other two and the specifically the cyberpunk elements in the original movies. 
So let's kick it off, friends. I know some of you guys have been rewatching the films. I rewatched them recently. I actually uh, got to rewatch them with my son, who's 11 years old, and got to see his first impressions of watching the movies, which was kind of fun, you know, to see somebody experience them for the first time. And I remember watching these for the first time uh, as a college student studying philosophies like existentialism and wondering about the nature of reality and existence and those kinds of things while watching these films, which is a cool experience for me. But I want to um, I want to get your thoughts on this, especially from the the perspective of a cyberpunk kind of world. Um, And my first question for you guys is, do you think that this this film and these films in general hold up as a cyberpunk movie do you think that there's enough cyberpunk elements to say that the matrix is is a full-fledged cyberpunk film or or films or do you think that they have cyberpunk elements and that they just kind of like play with some of those ideas toasty toasty's jumping in right at the beginning usually you hold off until a little bit later what do you think toasty uh so so lena and i actually watched it together because we hadn't seen it before. We did a little watch party, a very botched watch party, but still. Okay, this um, is cool. This is cool. So you this you guys are brand new to these then. Yes. Wow. Okay. So but we have made the executive decision that it qualifies as a cyberpunk movie because there was in fact rain. Okay. <laughs> so and you, did you watch the full trilogy or just the first film? Just the first one. I don't know okay. if I want to watch the full trilogy because I hear that the other two are are bad. And I didn't I wouldn't call them bad. I'd call them yeah. different. Just going to go with those sheeple and their opinions. You're going to form your own toasty. Come on. Uh, yeah, well, come see, on, I formed my own based off of this movie, which I also didn't like it very much. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't think I'm going to watch the other ones. OK, so wonder- let's let's dig into this a little bit, because these movies in general, at least the first movie in general, is is uh, very uh, it's a very beloved. What didn't you like about the first Matrix movie? What, why didn't you like it? I gotta be perfectly honest. I thought yeah, just, the ending was stupid. <laughs> that, okay, so what, what about it? Didn't you like? It's a bit cheesy. Well, I the will ending agree was with that. so cheesy. <clears throat> if, if I guess, I guess I'm being a little too critical off the jump. I would say, uh, like, I, I would, I, I enjoyed it more than I didn't enjoy it. Not incredibly much, but the ending was like the ending just really messed with it for me because of how. Yeah, like Jay Ray said, it was incredibly cheesy and also just had a whole like theme that didn't match the entire rest of the film. Okay, so be specific. Like, like which what part of it? What what specifically was cheesy and, uh, and, and True what? Love's Kiss bringing him back to life bullshit? That one? <laughs> that was that was really weird. Okay. For like a kind of like alternate reality movie kind of thing going on the entire time just to throw that in at the end. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss a little coin into the the pond here and say that it wasn't actually her kiss that brought him back, but the realization that he wasn't actually dead. Exactly, the realization to separate body from self or body from, from spirit. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. his, his mind and his his body were were two or or the yeah. the the idea of his body yeah. and his mind were actually separate. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Learning to He's reject Jesus. the natural we, we got that one. of a bullet going through you. Uh, just one bullet? It was like 16 <laughs> well, bullets. Well, no, it was six. I remember because <laughs> a full clip. More than that, he had one and then like six across the bottom. Right. right. So, okay. I mean, all of these, uh, like, all. So, so let's set the groundwork here. Just within, as with any other film, no, there is not a wrong perspective. Like, your feelings about anything are never wrong. Right. Those are your feelings. And according those are, to Logan, my feelings about the movies we've been watching are wrong. Okay? No, no, you're, I, you, I can have, know that. you can have you can have. I didn't. I never said that they were wrong. Bad, but not wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can disagree you about can each have, other's perspectives on things. That's fine. You can have bad but, opinions, but you they, can, they just aren't. They're, they're just justified opinions. But this the, the ending of the film to me wasn't cheesy, but I don't necessarily think I would consider this a cyberpunk film to get to the original question. Okay, so no, let's, I, I think, think let's back I think up. something to notice is that the cyberpunk of the 90s is different from the cyberpunk of today because the technology we have today really shapes our version of cyberpunk to be much more high tech than what they had back then. Back then, cyberpunk was exploring ideas of the internet and ideas of um, machinery that was 
kind of brand new. And now to us, that's extremely old. So cyberpunk today could be, you know, really advanced bionic limbs, really advanced vehicles that, you know, surpass like 300 miles per hour plus that sort of thing. Um, but back to the cheesy note, what I found cheesier was one, him flying up in the air and two, the one armed karate. And he just kind of like turned to the side and was like, you know what I mean? Okay. So let's, let's divide this into like, cause we could have multiple conversations at the same time. And that would be very difficult to manage. Um, Turbo, do you have a, a quick statement? Cause I want to, I want to try to like, it is it's about the, the cyberpunk. It's not about the cheesiest snow movie. Okay. I don't cons- it's not I don't really consider this cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. It has the cyber in it, but doesn't it's not really punkish. It's Oh, it's, it's super punkish. I know, not, I, I know about them rebelling against the machine and all that stuff. But no, that's a lot of the talk. Okay, but a lot of the talking Sorry, stuff, ahead. it's about uh I just didn't it didn't feel punk punkish to me. It's it because it all it, it didn't seem punkish to me. It seems cyber-ish to me, but not punkish. Okay, so let's let's break down let's break down our concepts of cyberpunk, and then we can agree about each of the concepts individually. How about that? So, in a, in the cyberpunk genre, we end up with a dystopian future. Does this have a dystopian future? Yes. 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 Right. Is it a dystopian future in the near future rather than the far, far, far like sci-fi future? Uh, it's undetermined. If you're including the it's war that indeter- happened in it's between, then yes. But it seems like it's, it's it's a few hundred years in the future. It, isn't it? Didn't they be. say it's like twenty one something? We don't know. Twenty one ninety nine. They said twenty one ninety nine specifically. Did they say the date specifically? Yes. Okay, but yeah. we do know that it's, it's they after. Can't be sure. It's after some yeah. sort of AI war where they've created an AI. The AI rebels, and then the humans end up basically they scorch the sky. The humans end up having to go underground. And then the AI basically takes over, right? So we know that it's in the relatively near future rather than thousands of years in the future, right? Okay, so we, we've got that concept. Um, is it high technology, low quality of life for humans? Yes. Yeah. For, the hum- yeah. for the humans in the real world who are living underground, yes, that seems to be the case, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the people in the Nebuchadnezzar have these like ratty clothes, but they have high quality of uh, high technology. It looks like it's pieced together, but they, they've got like these like magnetic hover pads on their machines. They can jack into stuff into their brains. They can download knowledge into their brains. That's that's very that's technology way beyond what we currently have. So in that case, yes, it is. Um, Logan, help me help me go through some of the other aspects of uh, cyberpunk that we we've talked a, about in the past a lot of it does come back to uh is there a a, a rebellious group going up against a, a larger right body that's in charge and that is something that i would argue is is uh in there but it's it's not it's not a corporation versus uh, a group of of rebels with an ancillary group of people that are just numb to it that are just kind of going about their parts it's literally the last bastion of humans against the machine ai that is now controlling it so it's more like man versus machine or man versus man as opposed to like a a cyberpunk style where there's a small faction of people that are trying to rebel against Mm -hmm. corporations right so that that is lacking lena but i mean it's very much like the oppressed against like the oppressors not a cop yeah not a corporation but like rebellion against the oppressor yes. true but would you would you apply that to any war film in that case would war films start to qualify based on the technology as as all cyberpunk if it's if there's a, an oppressive group and a un, and an oppressed group mm, okay fair point Right. You also don't have it's just an um, element that you can have that's part of it. I think it is more than just one particular element that makes up a cyberpunk like genre. But having that as part of it does help it fit more into that category. Sure. Right. Right. You also don't have uh, a traditional sense of um, gangs so much. You have factions, but most of the factions exist among the AI. Uh, at least in the first film, not among the humans. The second and third film, you've got more, more, more of a sense of individual factions in the political stuff that's going on among the the people. I would, I, I'd push back on that a little bit if if I can. I feel like the the factions within the in the machine are all still the machine. There's there's individual 
uh, programs, but those programs are, are just operating off of what they're told to do. They don't exude anything unique to them outside of maybe Smith. And even that's in question based on, you know, how much is Smith's programming pushing him to do stuff that's outside of the normal agent programming, but everyone else like, uh, the Oracle and stuff, she's just doing her job. She's that's exactly what her, her programming is telling her to do. Can I just say Smith does enough against the machines for the machines to want to destroy him. Hence the third movie ending with Neo and the machines teaming up to defeat Smith. Um, Are we taking into account the other two films in this case? Let's just talk about the first one because two of us haven't talked about the other two and the other two get, get more complex. I have, Uh, I could mm -hmm. write entire, I I could write entire, entire college paper on the second and third film at this point and Um, what I think is actually happening in those, but let's, let's leave. Maybe we talk about those on a future episode. In terms of punk, the first movie has more of a punk note to it within the matrix than the real world. Neo's friends at the beginning, an extreme punk aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know, definitely within a rebellious group of hacking, you know, Neo Trinity Morpheus, they are hackers trying to take down in the matrix, the government in the real world, the machines. Um, and then I guess in the second movie, they go through a club to meet the Merovingian. Yeah, but let's, that is a let's, super punk. Yeah, right, but, but hold off again, on those other films like, for now. Yeah. Yeah. The black mm-hmm. leather, the um sunglasses, tattoos, you know, the white rabbit tattoo. Yep. All that's yep. the punk. Yeah, all of the symbolism in both sides of it. The dirty the dirty punk side of the real world, but then the sleek mm-hmm. leather like tattoo oh, yeah, high stylized club wear where neo meets trinity super mm-hmm. like grimy and yep you know yep. underground yep all of that um they, they've got like the dirty punk side but then they also have the super sleek stylized more yeah. cyberpunk kind of um you know future machine punk. guns all that. yeah all that yeah. kind of that like uh, stylistically a lot of it is is very cyberpunk as well so um so i, I think i think it, it's kind of in that middle it's kind of in that middle gray zone i mean there's a lot of cyberpunk elements um but it does kind of take the cyberpunk elements and it kind of pushes it into this like well the corporation is now ai um the typical elements of cyberpunk aren't necessarily humans they're they're now the machines instead so it's I don't know if there's an easy answer to the to the question I posed at the beginning. I think it's it's very cyberpunk influenced, but it is kind of its own thing it, in its it, own way. I would argue that it probably trends like half science fiction, half cyberpunk. Like mm-hmm. it, it definitely takes on notions of, of a science fiction where a lot of stuff is crafted out of, you know, for the sake of narrative, like the the human farms, like. I don't know I've, I've ever seen anything cyberpunk that is like the human battery farms that they have out there in these giant harvesters. Yeah, that's more sci-fi. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Although it kind of reminds me of that one mission, I would say probably in 2077, a really bad one, the river mission. That was mutilation, though. That wasn't like, yeah, but yeah, that wasn't still like organ farming tubs and mm-hmm or their resources kind of thing. So yeah, humans for resources is still the same. I I can see the connection there. Um, Okay. So we've got that established. Um, Let's, let's move. Okay. So now that we've got that established, let's move over to the other side that we were trying to discuss. Um, The, the film itself as, as a film, let's leave the themes for what they are. How did you feel about, the film as a film like the the acting the videography the the action sequences those kinds of things not the story stuff not the way the plot played out but the actual like the the you know the components of the film the technical side i i honestly think the film still holds up 20 years later yeah they're using dated they're using dated technology but outside of the couple instances where they're using human CG uh, to to you know make make stuff or make people look or move in certain ways. Outside of that, uh, a majority of the film is done practical, and that really helps with it staying relevant. Um, but yeah, I, I think as far as the film is shot, it's stylized, so 
I think it holds up a lot better than most other films that you could criticize for for like how they how they hold up 20 years later there's a reason why there's a big following behind the matrix uh and that's because the 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 themes that it brings are are great but the film itself just looks looks and works really well yeah the um this was the first film to create the slow motion rotation camera thing do you guys know how they how they did that originally without (laughs) cg uh yeah didn't they have like a bunch of cameras on like this rigging yeah. that was like <clears throat> three they had, like 18 i think yeah yeah they had however many they needed in order to get all the way around and, and sometimes multiple like 100 like 360 degrees plus uh, so for example in a scene where like neo was dodging bullets keanu reeves would be posed in a position where he was like moving and they would have like a camera and then you know four degrees to the right and you know three degrees below they'd have the next camera and then they'd have another camera and another camera another camera set in rigging and each camera would take a shot in order click 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 and then they would take each one of those frames and then run those frames around just like a you know like a kaleidoscope in order to and then of course because a film is just pictures after pictures right so because they couldn't do it with computers at the time that's how they did it. And they invented that technique, which, of course, everybody after this film came out started doing. And then within just a few years, they could start doing that. In fact, by the second film, they could they, they could start doing that using computer technology, but it didn't look as good in the second film because they started trying to make the people with 3D images. And you can tell with our, our eyes today that the textures aren't, you know, perfect quality and you can tell when they switch over if you look carefully mm-hmm. that they're actually not the person anymore that they're 3d characters they look like bad video game characters from 15 years ago um but but in this movie they're not because they're the actual pe- actors and they've green screened them and and used cameras and things in order to position them correctly um so it actually looks really good in this film I think the cinematography is beautiful. Um, I love the verticality. I love at the beginning when they're going into the building and you have that really high up shot. So I'm holding my arm up, but you can't see it because uh, of the background. Uh, <laughs> right. But you see the high up shot with with the rain streaming down, you know, going through the different uh, balconies. And then again, you see rain streaming down onto the car as it moves through the bridge. Um, and then another example with the stairwell, you know, in, um, I don't know, maybe like quarter way through the movie, they're moving through the stairwell, Morpheus looks down, and it's just this epic shot of the stairwell, and it's rotating it. And then they go straight into a really nice flow of them walking through a door. Um, you know, I've seen so many movies where I feel, uh, yeah, I would have done that shot differently. I would have had that panning instead of still. I would have let this hold a moment. I noticed earlier today, I've never had one of those feelings when watching a Wachowski film, specifically the Matrix series. Yeah. Yeah. What about the rest of you guys? What do you think about like the technical side of the film? Lena, Toasty, you guys seen it for the first time. I mean, the technical side, I don't know. Like, I found it very entertaining and I think it does a phenomenal job in like you rooting rooting for all of the guys that are there and like you start to hate Cypher because he's obviously the traitor of the group and I don't know. Creep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's totally a creepo. <laughs> Yeah. What about the combat sequences, like the gunplay and the, um, you know, the, the fight scenes? I'm curious what you guys thought of the uh, hallway scene. Let's let's talk about the metal yeah. detector with the bags of guns in the hallway scene and working I, their way up to go save Morpheus. Like, that is the that iconic was, combat scene in the, in the I, film. Right? I mean, obviously, it's very, like, action-y and entertaining uh probably a little probably a like little it. excessive but um excessive excessive, yeah, probably a excessive. also the, the, they're going barely, up against agents yeah whatever um but anyways, they you know. they're going up against agents and they just empty all of their uh stuff against ones that aren't agents um but sure um but also just one thing i noticed is that i'm fairly certain that they just didn't 
care about like ammunition accuracy because i'm fairly certain yes. that some of those guns aren't supposed to have uh rounds that are that massive like the pistol the automatic pistols were rocking like rifle rounds and it's like um okay sure whatever i'll just leave that alone it's a video game you got cheat codes apparently right. they definitely right. do just i mean like, it's that is exactly what it is it's the matrix they're going to save their buddy and they they enabled god mode I don't think they cared much about how they held the guns either. It was pretty like amateur. You guys, you you guys want to talk about like weapon, weapon technique and stuff from 20 years ago. Go watch a Die Hard. uh, Watch those SWAT guys try and infiltrate that building. And they're just sitting there holding their guns like at their hip and just thinking like, oh, this will be cool. I don't have to wear a helmet. I'll just run in there and shoot them because I'm an American with a gun. No, there's there's like we've we've gotten to the point, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. uh, weapons and war um, strategy has increased so rapidly that we're so used to just like how technical you are with guns, uh, you know, coming around corners. We tend to judge pretty harshly from films, you know, 20 years ago and even 30 years ago and stuff. So I I would give them a pass on that because for one, it's for one, they're in the matrix. So what do they care? It's all it's all made up anyway. And for two, the, the, it was a much different time when it came to learning how, like if you've ever watched any of the stuff about how much training uh, Keanu Reeves and it personally had to do just for like John Wick movies, yeah. uh, oh, the, the yeah. tactical trainings he, he's had to go through for that kind of stuff. It's it's absolutely insane. So I would, I would personally recommend giving a full pass on just how they're holding their guns and how accurate they're being and stuff like if that film, if that film comes out this early. Mean, obviously this, they were, I mean... <laughs> I, I, it was it's fine oh, okay i didn't say <laughs> it's fun wrong point thank you i'm sure a, this i mean there was a lot of things that, that i saw that i was like okay yeah. this is a movie that was this is 1999 right. like right gotta, there, there are some, some things you gotta let pass this is there are some things 20 that, plus year old movie now there, so. there are some there are some of the things that uh tosi has pointed out that have legitimate um there are legitimate explanations like there, there are legitimate in movie in lore explanations for. So, for example, you're talking about like um, the two people going up against a bunch of agents. The, the point at this at this point is that uh, Neo uh, Trinity, too, but especially Neo at this point is breaking the code. He is he is moving faster than the agents can move. He is reacting faster than them. He is like he is. He like he is not only programmed into his brain through through the the programs that they've loaded in the ability to shoot guns and fight and do all of these things as well as any human could. But he has now surpassed the ability of any of the programs to to do these things. Um, And and the agents haven't updated their code in order to account for that. So that's that's part of why they think he might be the one is he's been able to to do that faster than any human has been able to do that. Um, but people like uh, Trinity and um, the guy they're going to save, uh, Morpheus, Morpheus. Um, yeah. are also good at that as well. That's why they're, they're the kinds of people who have been chosen to infiltrate the Matrix and to try to go on these missions is because they're able to bend, use their minds to bend the code, to go past the limitations of the Matrix. Now, they can't do it fully, if they get killed, their mind still believes they die. And so in the moment where Neo gets shot in the matrix and his mind believes he's dead, that's the moment where they think, Oh God, this is over. Trinity gives him a kiss and his mind realizes that like, he's not actually dead, that the matrix is an illusion and he's still alive. And that's the moment where like things totally click for him and he goes into Superman mode and he realizes like, oh, this is in fact a total illusion. And therefore that the scene where he's blocking things with one arm, that's that's representational. It, yeah, it looks cheesy, but it's representational of he's moving so fast that he can with one arm, not even pay attention to block everything that Agent Smith is doing while analyzing his other arm and going, huh? I guess this is <laughs> this isn't even real. Well, I can do whatever like, I this want. This is a video game. I can like, predict your right. movements. Yeah, Here, I've got here's a total, really here's total a, hack mode on. 
really good example of of how to look at that scene. Have you guys ever watched anyone do a speed run for um, uh, uh, one of those? Um, oh, I just blanked. Rubik's cube. Have you guys ever seen someone finish a Rubik's cube in like under a second? Mm-hmm. That's essentially yeah. what's going on in this film. You can look at a Rubik's cube, and if you don't know how to solve it, it's going to take you forever, and you're going to feel real dumb because you're going to get one side, maybe two sides, maybe three sides if you're really good. But if you've watched people that have studied it, that understand how the movements move, and know exactly how many moves it takes to get uh, to finish a Rubik's cube, they can finish it very fast with a lot of practice. That's essentially what's happening at the end of the Matrix. Is Neo has wake, woken up? He's had that epiphany. And he now sees how to solve the problem so fast that it, it doesn't seem natural to anyone else. And we're still, as the audience, carried from the perspective of someone that doesn't understand it until we see the one glimpse, the one glimpse at when you see Neo looking at the code in the actual matrix and he actually sees the code for what it is. Right. That's, that's basically like, that's what was so revolutionary at that time is, is like the, the concept of seeing a program for what it actually is, as opposed to what the illusion still presents to us. Okay. So that's why, that's why it looks cheesy, but to him, he's, he's now beyond like everything is now objectively different. And so, and that's the representation in the film. Um, yeah, I didn't have an issue with that part. I had an issue with the kiss. <laughs> right. It wasn't necessarily the kiss, though. It was her telling him that she was that he was the one. Like the kiss right. was just there because she loved him. And but he realized two things. One, he wasn't going to lose the love of his life over what over a, of, over a simulation. And two, the fact that he wasn't actually dead the fact that he he mm-hmm. came to that self-realization after she told him that he that he had to be the one she gave him the confidence to be able to mentally disconnect from the simulation to actually be able to see it and it, it also represents something uh-huh. else in, in the film so the the love between their their affection is what separates them from the machines there there are there are multiple themes and and i hope we are able to talk about the second and third film because Although the effects and some of the ways the plot plays out um, are can be cheesy, and I don't think they hold up in those ways as well as the first film, the themes of the second and third film, I think, are actually profoundly more deep and interesting than the first film. And I think by the third film, they actually play out uh, psychologically very, very well. And I think they went over a lot of people's heads. I don't think that pe- most people even understand what what they're actually saying. Um and the love story is um, very important as the trilogy goes on. So there's there's more there. Lena? I just thought it was such a beautiful metaphor because it's basically what separates the humans in this movie from the machines because like we're irrational and we love and we have emotions and then there's the agents who are like rational a equals b and all of that stuff so i love that but i mean it was cheesy but i the meaning behind it i get it in the context of this movie right right and and um in this movie and in some of the other movies they show it in multiple ways there's there's friendship there's family there's romantic love and it's it's those relationships between um the the individuals that and they continue to grow and i won't talk about the other movies too much but they they continue to show that it's those human connections that drive us forward it's those human connections that truly have value and are what's worth fighting for it's those things that that the humans hold on to and that's why they fight against these overwhelming odds in order to stand up against these machines, even when their lives are in, you know, terrible disarray and they have overwhelming odds. And at the end of the day, they have to put their faith in what seems like this totally irrational thing. Like, how does this person even stand up against machines in, in these ways? And and it plays out in even more strange and irrational ways, which is why the fourth movie coming out is so bonkers, because it doesn't seem like it makes sense. Like from what we know about what happens in the third film, this fourth movie doesn't seem like it should it should happen, which I would love to talk about, but we can't talk about in this episode. So maybe we'll talk about it offline. Um, So if you guys get a chance to watch the second and third one, I would love to hear your thoughts on this and then we can talk about the fourth one later. But um, 
All right, we need to take a break and, and thank our patrons, you guys and everybody else, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up our conversation about the Matrix. So hang tight. All right, so here we are. This is the middle of the show where we get to thank our patrons and thank you to all of our patrons, everybody who supports the show, all 18 of you. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for being here and continuing to support the show. If you are a tier four patron, then thank you so much. Um, we're getting closer and closer to when t-shirts go out, the first t-shirts for the different cyberpunk districts. The first one will be out going out very soon. And please make sure that you've updated your address on your patron account. You need to make sure you do that. Log into Patreon, update your address, make sure it's there. Make sure you've chosen your your shirt size. And um, if you've uh, if you're thinking about joining us on a future episode of this show or signing up on any of the patron tiers, then make sure you go to patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast. Check that out. You can sign up and ad free episodes and a bunch of other stuff and um, other in other news. I am spending the rest of this year uh, trying to give you guys stuff, um, including the uh, my hat. I'm giving away my hat, the official robots radio hat. This one right here, the one that I've been wearing for three years. There's only one this one right here and I'm going to give it away. I'm going to sign it because I did a poll on um, my YouTube channel and 180 people responded. And the biggest thing that people said that they wanted me to do when in giveaways was give away robots radio merchandise. And so I'm going to give away some t-shirts. I made a new buddy bot shirt. I made, uh, I've got t-shirts and things. I'm going to be giving stuff away. So the first thing you need to do is if you want to get some giveaways between now and the end of the year, join us for some live shows and the live shows have been happening at Twitch, but I am now restreaming on Twitch and on YouTube and on YouTube. I'm trying to get everybody to move over to YouTube because all of my live streams are now on YouTube. If you watch on YouTube, if you're currently watching on, on Twitch, go to YouTube. There's a link in chat. Go to youtube.com slash C slash robots radio or just search robots radio YouTube. It'll come right up and watch us during the live streams over there. You can also watch during game streams. I'll be streaming games most days. I think I'll be streaming games now in the evenings or in the evenings. There'll be live streams for podcasts. And while you are watching, you will accrue points. You'll get some robo coins. And the more more you watch, the more robo coins you get. You can use the robo coins to buy raffle tickets into giveaways. And the giveaways will be things like merch culminating in my robots radio hat, the only one. And it'll be signed by me and you can have it. And so that's what's coming up. So if you want to be the person who wins this or any of the other Robots Radio merch and maybe even some game keys for like some of the video games that we've been playing, then head over there and get get some points. Um, but that's what's going on. So thank you, everybody, for watching. That's my fun way of ending the year with a bunch of giveaways. And uh, thank you again to all of our patrons. You guys have been awesome. All right. We've got to talk more about the Matrix. Let's go do that. All right. I see a bunch of people still on Twitch. If you want to get the hat, you got to head over to watch on YouTube. So go do that. That's the place to be. All right. So, guys, here's my next question for you. If you were making the Matrix movie, it's 20 years later, you were making the Matrix movie. What would you change? Would you change anything? Some of you feel like, yeah, there's some things I would change. Some of you feel like it's more like uh, like an almost perfect movie. Toasty, I know, wants to change some stuff. What would you change, Toasty? So, uh, and specifically, not just like, hey, this part's bad. I, would, I, would, I don't want it to be. I would want it to be different. But what would you change it to? I change it to right. If you're going to change something, you need to say how you would make it better, and specifically what you would do to make it better. Oh, okay. Um, specifically, the one thing that comes to mind because 2020 existed as a thing the scene where smith walks away from mobius and then sends in the cops to beat the shit out of him morpheus um yeah i i, I said mobius sorry morpheus yeah. um the yeah i would just that completely uh, <laughs> uh because uh just having a bunch of cops beat up a black guy just isn't 
Well, there are uh, other agents. It's not good. There, there are other agents. They're, they're all dressed as cops. It doesn't really matter what they are in the situation. It's a bunch <laughs> of cops beating up a black guy. And it's okay. not I gotcha. I a gotcha. great scene. All right. Specifically. Yeah. But that's all that's because 2020 was so bad yes. with that kind of stuff. I if gotcha. we're making it now, I would want to be or like, since I mean, if if that's the case, was, do, like would you like is it okay if it's a white guy to get and beat up? Or black cops beating up a black guy? I don't think it's I don't think it's good at all. Like just or uh, black ladies. I mean, they got to beat someone up, right? White guy, like they Mama don't have Wachowski to though. Smith can color, just handle the, no, the situation himself. No. To be honest, or they could just cuff them. Just cuff them. Her a, skin is or maybe not maybe just dogs. Dogs white. biting the guy's ankles because now it's not humans on human. Okay, uh, <laughs> I, I, I I'm just wondering, like, what's the solution to the problem? I just think that Smith could probably take care of it. I don't think he needs his. But he's still a white guy beating up a black guy, right? But didn't didn't he do that? Didn't he beat the crap out of him? Yeah, but then this is, I just thought that the whole sending it after was completely unnecessary. Like, so maybe he could have set up like a machine. It could be like a James Bond thing where he's like on a wood cutting machine with a timer or lasers, like sharks with lasers on their foreheads. Uh, no, never mind. I'll just I'll just retract my my statement. <laughs> Sorry, Tess, we're trying, not taking oh. it seriously here. So no, but I mean, okay. we understand what you're saying. I'm 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 trying. I'm sorry to make too much fun of it. But, um, I, I understand. We get the, what you're the, saying. The, the whole like what's being being uh, like uh, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna. This is a serious thing. So let's give it some serious thought here. The whole we have to be careful with the way that people per- perceive these things and with race issues. Like you're right. You're right. There is some serious things to be considered here. Um. Uh, what, how would, what would be a better way to do? I mean, him leaving, let me go, let me go this direction. There is a kind of stereotypical thing here. The main bad guy villain goes away from the situation, leaves him, leaves a key character with his underlings. Of course, the underlings don't do what they need to do so that that guy escapes, right? But like, he didn't, though. But the, but it is it is still a common trope for villains to leave right. uh, the the hard work or or the leftovers to the to the the guys that are going to have to be the one that has to pick him up and drag him off and take him to the place where he's going to be held until the hero comes and rescues him. Like right. that is a yes. very common trope. The fact that Morpheus is black. I think is more of a boon. The fact that they even hired a black person to to play that role because that could have been a white dude. And the fact that he gets beat up was just part of how that story played out. Like you don't necessarily have to have the scene of him getting further beat up, but to have any that's, kind of conflict. Not, of I don't have a problem with him getting like the fight between him and Smith is badass. It's cool. It's a good fight. And we obviously knew that was, I just think that having the goons go in after and beat him excessively is the problem with that. Mm-hmm. You can still have him lose that fight, get his ass handed to him by Smith and then without just the extra cut beating to a scene where Morpheus is now his captive without yeah, needing that's fair. That's that fair. without without the ex- excessive beating. Yes. Yes. That's fair. OK. Yeah. I'm sorry. We, we shouldn't have made fun. Um, you're right. That that is that is a fair point. Um, in fact, you could have had him like you could have had him drugged or something and still had him in a state of like not well, he feeling was drugged at, at after that. Like yeah, they right, took him, right. they put him in a room and then they drugged him to break into his mind. Right. And then mm-hmm. they beat him up, which made him also look all like, I'm, you know, like not, not so competent. Right. Um, so yeah, you could, I mean, you didn't have to do all of those things to make him also in a state where he wasn't particularly able to, you know, break out on his own, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's a fair, fo- fair point, Toasty. Fair point. I'm sorry. We're jerks. All right. Who has another another point that we can make fun of a lot and then apologize and then tell you that you had a good point? <laughs> I'm curious uh, how you guys felt about the 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 things that they put in there for like Cypher, like having that that issue where not everyone makes the right decision. And some people want to get back into it. And the only way they can do that is to betray the people like. How do you feel as far as like the life choices that were the decisions that were given to Neo as well as everyone else? Like they had to make that choice. What do you, what do you guys think you would choose if you had that choice? If you guys woke up tomorrow and realized that everything that you know right now is complete lie, 
there's a much bigger problem at stake and you're being asked to fight on a side of a war that you had no knowledge of the prior day. I think I know it's, it's a, a tough question, but I think I'm it's just a curious. legitimate dilemma. I think that they're right in that most people would probably just go back to sleep and just be okay with the lie. Yeah, I think that's true for the majority of people. And I think that the majority of the people probably includes most of us, too. I think on most days, I'll straight up say it and be honest. I'll just go back in. I think I think on most days I would, uh, you know, on most days I would just go. Yeah, the world sucks. Okay, Um, yeah, put me back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's circumstantial, but I also think it's interesting that as humans, we have the tendency to question what is real. I think that itself is really interesting to explore. Um, it could symbolize that, you know, we have some dissatisfaction with life just at, you know, at a constant it could symbolize, you know, a yearning for adventure. Uh, but, to abandon all that we have and hopefully most of us are content with what we have. Um, it's a very tough choice. I, I think you Neo seemed to be like pretty lost in his world. Like not, he had no real identity. Um, you know, his identity that he embraced was as Neo rather than Mr. Anderson. Um, so I think it depends, like if you live a life where you have really nothing, then I think perhaps they would take the red pill. They had nothing to lose. That's a good point. He really, he really was dissatisfied with existence to begin with, or at least with yeah. what he thought his existence was. He was seeking it out. He didn't, he didn't really have a family. He had a terrible crappy job. In fact, the entire yeah. film up until that point is this like hazy yellowy green color like the world his, right, yeah, right the matrix us. looks yeah. sick like his existence yeah. from his perspective feels sick sickly like yeah yeah on purpose like that like it's filmed same that thing way. with the second and third yeah they all yeah. have that hue yeah it's filmed that way on purpose like even though that existence is our real world and is comfortable it it's on purpose. It looks sick. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Terry Brown in chat says, uh, I think they would have killed Neo if he chose, chose the blue pill. Mm. Do you think if he went back that he would have just been killed off by the machines? Well, like, the, the agents were coming for him at that point, right? So they were going to get him if it wasn't for Morpheus getting to him. Yeah. Oh, one thing I would have changed, though, back to the actual question from robots, would be I would have wanted Switch to live because Cypher kills off APOC and Switch and Switch seemed more integral to the movie than APOC. I think they could have kept Switch alive. That would have been interesting. I would have wanted that. Mm. I did like Switch. Mm. How did you guys feel about Tank and Dozer? Yeah, I love Tank. Tank. Yeah, Tank they, is amazing. Great. They're great characters. He, he's such a he's so fun to watch. You know. I think Lena and I were also kind of crushing a little bit. Not gonna lie. <laughs> totally. <laughs> he was a very attractive man. I was like, wow. Yeah. Why couldn't you know, he be Neo? You know, that's I mean, that's another one of the stereotypical things though. I mean, obviously it's Hollywood, but the good characters are attractive and the yeah. bad characters are not so attractive see yeah that was kind of a thing and, and i know it's i guess if i'd seen this oh, back, Miss- oh god sorry no no i interrupted you go oh, ahead i was just because i've seen so many movies with the particular actor that played um i'm already forgetting his name the traitor whatever his name cypher. was cypher cypher yeah. i've seen that that actor always plays scumbags and right. so i was like right. i saw this guy and i was like he's gonna be a bad guy right because yeah. he always plays the scumbag which he does incredibly well i think he makes a great scumbag sorry <laughs> right <laughs> so but imagine really imagine for a moment but. imagine for a moment that they had swapped some roles like <laughs> what if dozer was cypher 
Like you, you never would have seen it coming. Mm-mm. I felt like Dozer was like really background. So yeah, I really wouldn't have seen that. Well, no, Dozer um, couldn't be the. But imagine, the, imagine they, they they just swapped the actors. Like Dozer had all the same lines as Cipher. Mm-mm. You know. All okay, the, so he would be from the Matrix, then, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, imagine they just swapped actors. Okay. Like, okay, like, okay, I mean, okay. Obviously, okay. you'd have I to change some relationships. I think Tank and I Dozer. Would, I would like, not have seen it coming in that situation. Specifically. But like, no, just, just his face. Even if Cipher had that line, like it's basic, like vitamins and nutrients and minerals. Like when they're talking about the sludge, Cipher would have seemed sus saying that. Right. You're just swapping faces. Just put one yeah, face I, on somebody I else. One say, face on somebody else. Like they did, they did play Cypher a little too close, uh, uh, not close enough to the chest. Honestly, I will say that that if they had made him to be a little more likable of a character and not so kind of uh, uh, squeam or not squeamish, but kind of uh, um, I don't know, sleazy. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. If if they didn't play him as sleazy, I think it would have been a much better turn uh, in the long run. They really yeah. didn't. They been. really didn't know how to play a betrayal that well, and and I think that kind of plays in part to how how human Cipher is. Is it's not it's not like he's trying to be uh, bad. He's just trying to get back into the Matrix. That's all he cares about. So him being like really good at betrayal isn't something that someone who just wants to get back into uh, the Matrix is something that they should be really good at. They should be really yeah, good he's at. He's not relatable at all. You know, there's no desperation to be like ignorant. There's no desperation to feel at home. He's well, just pure strange. I got to I got to push back and say most of you said you'd rather stay hooked up into the Matrix. That's all he wanted. That seems pretty relatable. Yeah, I think but, it's yeah. super oh, relatable. Oh, I thought I thought you were arguing. Sorry, there's a miscommunication. I thought you were saying that. Um, I thought you were saying the opposite, but oh, gotcha. or, or embracing that, like that he should have been more vulnerable. You know. <laughs> No, yeah. I, I think I, he should have been more vulnerable. I think, I think he was... He, okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, never mind. I think something was lost in translation. <laughs> I just Whoa. think it would have been interesting if he was just a little less evil, you know, just more uh, desperate and, like, I did think more he just sad. Dynamic going on in it, because I don't... I don't... Granted, because of the choice of actor... It was kind of obvious to me from the beginning, just because I know what's expected from that actor. Um, but even then, I think he didn't really play like incredibly like bad of a person. I don't think he was like that bad of a guy until the betrayal actually happened, which seemed like a very like a big jump to me. Cause he didn't he seemed like he actually like did kind of care about these people and like didn't and then he just kind of straight up became like super creepy and like kind of uh, it was like he went evil when he didn't seem like evil he just seemed tired before can i can i toss something out there to kind of see how you guys feel about this yeah, go whenever i whenever i watched cypher i always felt like from his perspective cypher is the main character and he always feels like he's the main character, but he also feels like he doesn't want to be outside of the matrix, but he's, he's railing against that because he wants Trinity. He's, he's the main character. He wants to be with the leading girl. And as such, he feels like when Neo gets pulled into it, it's like the guy, your girlfriend tells you not to worry about situation. Mm-hmm. And because of yeah. that, that's when things really start to step forward. That's when he really starts to say like, okay, you know what? Now I've got a problem before. I just wanted to get back into the matrix, but I railed against that because I really love Trinity. Now this other guy comes in and he's in Trinity's responding to him. And that kind of, you know, he, he even says it, you know, I don't remember you coming to my cabin uh, yeah. after I got pulled out, you know, he, he's spiteful and, and he's, and he's starting to get jealous. And that's when, 
that her, her Neo's introduction into the Nebuchadnezzar's crew is the catalyst for what starts out to be a very slow burn for him. And now he starts finding reasons why he should talk to the machines, why he should help them get Morpheus, why he should want to get back into uh, the matrix, because he realizes as soon as he does this, he doesn't have a place to go. Right. So he has to get back in, right? Because if he goes back to uh, the the last bastion, you know, if he goes back home, they're going to be like, "No, you're the dude that gave up Morpheus. You literally gave up one of the best captains." Lena, I mean, it's actually really interesting because, like, you feel like Cipher is overwhelmed with like the reality of a human being. Like he's being overwhelmed by emotion, and he just decides basically, like. No, this is too difficult for me. Like, I want to go back to sleep. That's basically what he decides, which is really interesting and like also relatable. So like yeah. life can life can be too much. So there's there's a point where he realizes that he doesn't have the constitution to be the main character. And that's when he becomes the villain. And that's what I love about that character. And I think it was done perfectly well. I think I don't think I think Surf, I don't think Cipher could have been done a better job outside of the, the just like him being a little too creepy, but I can still explain that away with his jealousy. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I agree. That, that's what I was trying to say originally. If he was less that he just had excess creepiness, that's what mm -hmm. I would change without him. That's what I was trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah, but otherwise, I, I think I, it's very representative of like. I don't know, humans, <laughs> us as people being feeling like, well, now my options have changed. I'm kind of depressed about it. What am I going to do about it? Well, OK, well, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. I'm just going to go crawl in a hole. I'm going to find I'm going to find my way out of this situation. And sometimes that's a very selfish thing. And we're willing to sacrifice other people in order to get what we want. And that turns us into the villain. And in this situation, that's what it, that's what it did to Cypher. Um, and he didn't care. And that's what happened. Um, so, well, we're getting close to the end of the episode, guys. Um, any other, any other things that you would change just to kind of wrap things up? Any last, last minute things? I will say that I would love to hear how, who everyone's favorite character was, because I haven't heard anyone really speak praise about agent smith and how how well done of a of a cold calculating villain he was Dude. yeah he's amazing to watch uh, i actually want to point out he's one uh bad guy that isn't necessarily horrible to look at you know he has a certain charm to him Hugo um, weaving. he's very like captivating yeah he's he's such a good actor hugo weaving he really is um i love his forehead vein mm. he's so he's so good the way he like Mr. Anderson, you know, like he's oh, he's mm, he's. I don't know. His intonation, the way his phrasing is so poetic. He's you know? every line is very well delivered. <laughs> you know, like it's just he just it's like he just takes the character and just rolls around in it. He's just yes. so good. Like I really like his speech uh, to Morpheus and stuff. Exactly. It's like like just the smell. If. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. No, let's go. go ahead, Pat. I, I was just going to say, you can tell he's been in the Matrix for a very long time. Like it, he speaks with the cadence of someone who's spent eons living in that in that world, and he takes his time because he knows time is not really. It's like talking to someone who's immortal. It's like you know, what's a couple months to someone who's immortal? So he, everything he says is very cold. It's very calculated. It's very lengthy in in you know its delivery so I, I i just i love the idea that he's thought that deep into the character to be able to bring that to uh what seems like a very manic situation for everyone else because to them being attacked by an agent is almost certain death the the likelihood of you surviving an ancient uh, an, an agent actually attacking you is very slim mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah love it yeah yeah absolutely best thing all right let's go around you guys tell me your favorite character what you rate the film and if there's anything else you want to share before we head out so i'm gonna go i'm gonna start with toasty toasty favorite character rate the film out of five and anything else you want to share before we go 
the film out of five favorite character first favorite character um, uh, favorite character tank tank um, is your favorite character easy, All right. easy choice for me um uh, uh i don't remember how the hell we did the rating system it's just but, out of five uh, out of five 3.5 3.5 all right anything else you want to share before we go uh witcher lorecast tomorrow go watch it <laughs> yeah we're going to talk about episode one of season two it's going to be awesome yes yes very cool stuff um we'll be here on the same channel robots radio you can watch us on youtube or on twitch all right lena thanks for joining us again what do you think favorite character um i guess trinity mm-hmm. because gotta support my baddest woman out there i guess yeah she's pretty badass um, too like she's up there yeah loved her she she should have had maybe she should have had more screen time that would be like I a agree. good change mm-hmm. so well, watch um, the next watch the next two films and then let me know what you think about her mm-hmm. all right good um rating uh four maybe four out of five okay i liked it a lot okay also you can reach me on the discord awesome cool all right turbo toboggan um agent smith all right agent smith um and nostalgia i'm gonna have to give it a five out of five because I can't give it half numbers, so five out of five. You can five. give it a half. You can give it a half. You can be 4.5. Then 4.5. It's in between four and five. Like, I can't say it's a four, but I can't say it's a five. You can give it a 4.5. That's fair. Yeah, 4.5. Okay. And you can reach me on the Discord. Um, I'm more likely to respond in like early in the morning or late at night because I'm either at work or asleep during the day or work at night. So, Cool. Awesome. All right. J-Ray? What do you think? I say Morpheus. Morpheus. All right. Cool. Um, man. We're, we're getting all the good ones. All right. Morpheus. Yeah. And and for me, there are things about the movie that I know if I saw them differently, I might like them more. So for without knowing that, it would be five out of five. Right now, it's like 4.9, like allowing for you wow. know, some okay. new way of what 4.9. I know could be improved. Yeah. Nice. I like it. All right. 4.9. And if people want to reach out to you, Discord? Well, uh, Instagram is best. I'm living, period, A-N, period, epic. Living and epic. Uh, And then I'm on Discord, of course. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for joining me. And then Captain Logan, what do you think? Favorite character? Really tough, um, because it's a toss-up between the black cat or the red pill. (laughs) And I'm not sure which I like more, but I'm probably going to lean towards the black cat. You know, mm-hmm. I okay. think it just it hit its mark. It was really impactful. It was a really, you know, it wasn't just a MacGuffin. No, I, I think I'd probably go with a, a Cypher in this case. I think Cypher uh, was one of the, the few characters who um, did the role to, it, it, it did the role justice in my mind. Um, I, there's quibbles that I could have with it, but uh, you needed someone on the inside to have that catalyst in the film and uh he he started out slow and and eventually got all the all the way to the point of murder um where he was just pulling the plugs on people and and that is you know that's as cold as it can get but he justified every minute of it and i and i don't think i could see many people being able to pull off that role yeah yeah okay and what, what would you rate it um, I'm, I honestly, I think this is a, a, an amazing film. I think it's a, a masterpiece in filmography. I think, I think it's a five out of five for me. There's, there's so much that has been derivative of it since it came out. And I think it moved the, the, in the industry forward several steps as far as like being able to do stuff and show stuff. We wouldn't have, you know, half of the, the, the filming techniques that we do now, if it weren't for the matrix taking those steps forward. And as far as like showing the hero's journey, having the man versus man or man versus machine, man versus self, all of those things really did tie together well in a film that no one was making at that time. And it, 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 you know, these ideas and concepts are, are trivial nowadays because of that film. So I would, I would give it a five out of five for sure. And if people want to get a hold of me, they can get a hold of me in the discord reach out robots radio in the cyberpunk channel or in the keel hall channel any of those say hi yeah dude thanks for joining again this has been awesome having you back yeah yeah man and i agree i agree i think it's a five out of five i think this is a film that was 10 years ahead of its time um 
it it, obvi- it pushed uh, the action genre and the um, I don't know the storytelling genre. It took it took influences from cyberpunk, from anime. Um, it it pushed a lot of things forward in the way that nothing had been done before it at all, at all. And and it took Hollywood a good ten years to catch up with most most film makers weren't doing anything nearly on this level for another decade. Um, so absolutely. Uh, nobody mentioned Neo as their favorite character, which is interesting, but he's kind of yeah. the every, everyday guy stand in who becomes superhero kind of character. He is. So. He's the most boring out of all of them. Yeah. He has a great journey, but he is the most boring yeah. out of uh, compared to that. It, if it wasn't for Cypher, it would probably be uh, 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 agent. Uh, oh my God. I'm just playing on his name. Hugo Weaving's character. Agent Smith. Uh, agent Smith. Yeah, and then Smith. probably Trinity after that, because of how impactful she, I mean, she gets everything done. Yes. Anything that screws up in that movie, she fixes and it's crazy. And yes. it, I'm, I'm with yes. lean on that. Yeah. You wouldn't have a Neo without Trinity. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we need to talk about the second and third films because there's reasons for each of their names. Um, mm. there's a lot of symbolism in these movies. Um, but, uh, I, I'm going to have to go with agent Smith too. I think he's, he's my favorite. Uh, Hugo weaving is just so good at the character and, um, agent Smith is such an important character as the, as the films progress. So, um, but that's, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to stay with this. And, uh, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday and I will see you guys in two weeks. We'll be back with another cyberpunk lore cast and i've got some fun ideas for where we're going with the future i did have a a really cool interview lined up but um it looks like it's gonna have to be delayed for the next episode due to some scheduling things on the side of the interviewee but i will be scheduling some other fun interviews in the future and i've got some other ideas for some upcoming episodes so stay tuned for that also uh all the other shows on robustradio.net by the next time you load it up after um, two days from now we'll have a new website up so that's coming as well And there's all sorts of fun stuff going on. So stay tuned for all the fun things. And until next time, everybody, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe in the matrix. And if given the option between the red pill and the blue pill, um, don't get caught by a pirate. What are you wearing? Look, look, it's an actual pirate. All right. I feel like people are going to have to tune into the video to see what's going (laughs) on. They're going to have to tune into the video. Um, Oh, and and just just a reminder, all of these videos are now up on the Cyberpunk Lorecast YouTube channel. It's on its own YouTube channel. And I will be right back in about 15 minutes with the Mass Effect Lorecast coming up next. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you guys later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network, smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.